Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. Tuesday edition. Glad you're with us. We're broadcasting live in Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, from 6th and Peabody with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Shout out to Jacob Swanson and David Reed, the chairman of the board for making it happen. We've got the man in black, the general, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, TexasSportsNation.com. He joins us each and every Tuesday in the second hour of today's show. That will be at 3 o'clock Central, 4 o'clock Eastern. Looking forward to catching up with uh, McClain, who has covered the league for nearly five decades. We'll talk all things NFL headlines, and that's where we start today. Ben Roethlisberger with the curtain call last night at uh, Heinz Field, his final start as the Steelers quarterback in the home stadium and uh, quite the quite the broadcast and quite the ceremony put on by by the Steelers where post game Roethlisberger made it official going into the game he said this is likely my final game as the starter and after the game he told Lisa Salters yeah it's this, this is the way to go out uh, what'd you guys think about it well, it was not the Kobe Bryant send-off no. that I was hoping for from <laughs> no. a performance standpoint. He barely passed Kobe's uh, point total in passing yards last yeah. night. I mean, 2.7 yards per attempt for the game for Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, it was a miserable football game to watch yeah, from was. an offensive standpoint. Uh, his numbers, that was the worst of his career uh, for yards per attempt. But He's I, on I the did, winning side. Yeah, and, and that's, that's kind of my takeaway from it. I, 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 watched the, I wish he would have taken a helmet off in his interview with Lisa Salters, and half the time he had uh, his uh, uh, his chin guard was like a, a pacifier. Sounded like Darth Nautilus. In, in his, on his mouth. I don't know if he was trying to use it as a mask or what was going on there in the end, but uh, I, could, I could hardly understand him. I think he just didn't want to be, see, be seen crying. Yeah, he was getting emotional in the end. I, I, I liked how he said it just kind of felt like my career. It wasn't pretty out there, but I, we found a way to win, and I found a way to get it done. I, I thought that was sort of poetic for for Big Ben who was unconventional as a player and just the whole city of Pittsburgh uh, that that franchise finding a way to get it done it, it kind of exemplifies that city the the blue collar mentality uh, everything else uh, but from a game standpoint I, I can't imagine a worse football game but you won which is great but Baker Mayfield uh, I know after the game, he said, I'm going to have to now take into consideration that I probably need to sit out the he's final out. game of the season. He's out. He's having uh, surgery on his shoulder. Yeah, he, he was. he's clearly hurt. He's, he's not good. I mean, I guess uh, he's clearly hurt. He's lowering his left shoulder going into a defender down Which the left dumb. far sideline. Doesn't, side doesn't know any better or can't stop um, himself. 
You know, there's a part of that I respect, and yeah. he was spinning it at times. They threw it way too much with him last night. That's yeah, on Kevin Stefanski. How many times? Nine? Nine times. It's crazy. T.J. Watt gets four, four of them. He's one sack Watt. away from the NFL uh, record for most sacks in a single season to pass Michael Strahan. So, I mean, I'm looking at that going, why not run Nick, Nick Chubb more? Nick Chubb had 12 carries, and he was averaging nearly five yards a carry. 12 really carries bad. in that game. Coaching ball. malpractice. Coaching malpractice. I, I'm with you, Chad. I thought, you know, I thought Roethlisberger nicely wrapped it up there that it was kind of like his career. Um, you know, I thought him running along the wall there was kind of uh, it was spontaneous. The, because ca- he the didn't Cal know, Ripken type, yeah, but he didn't know what yeah. to do. He's kind of like didn't want to run right off the field, um, and I can totally relate to that. I mean, I, I, you put yourself in those shoes and you think like I, I don't. I can't imagine wanting to walk off of there the last time, <clears throat> yeah. knowing it's the last time. And so that's got to be incredibly difficult. Hell, I've walked out of offices from jobs, uh, not the last one, but others that, uh, you know, I wanted to take it slow and, and make it feel like that. So um, I, I, I thought it was nice. I wish it was a better game. I wish it had more meaning for him. I've got a fondness for Pittsburgh and for that place and for a friend I have there. I was kind of thinking of the people that I know from there or who or from there and have left and what it meant to them as well. So I thought I thought it was good in that regard. I wish that uh, that Harris had slid and given him the snap or that the timeout had gone through so that he legitimately could have come off the field, whether he took his helmet off or not, but that we saw him walk walk off outside of the knee. Well, Which you got lucky to get it, at the it, end. But yeah, that that was so cool. The setup with getting that interception, allowing him to go out there and take the knee. And such then, a bad. But thing. here's where it was is not properly communicated. Mike Tomlin trying to make a cool gesture to take the knee. He's trying to call timeout frantically to stop the clock with four or five seconds left. So then he could have his big exit after the knee. to an enormous ovation. Then you bring someone else out there to take the final knee get of down. the game. But no one knew he was doing that. So he takes the knee and he starts, you know, celebrating with his offensive line, the sidelines. So the refs just said, you know, screw it. It's fine. The game's over now. And Tomlin said the same thing. But if everyone knew what was going on, that would have been an even cooler moment to take the knee, call the timeout, exit the field, and then have someone else go out there and, and take the final knee as you're doing whatever curtain call you're doing with the home crowd. Uh, it, it set itself up well, other than, you know, the game. Not Might have been the hardest enjoyable. to watch football game of the year. I mean, I'm not pretending to have had my nose in on a lot. I'm watching a Titans game start to finish at the game. You, you, you see a lot more than I do in terms of red zoning it and, and then going back and yeah, watching. But I mean, it was as bad as anything this year, probably. It, it had more intrigue than the Dolphins-Saints game a week ago. Was, yeah. There was, I mean, that was just a, that was a terrible uh, a non-COVID-affected game, we could yeah, say. Yeah, oh, for sure. But the, at least the storyline was how how is Ben Roethlisberger yeah, going? Yeah, well, otherwise least, everybody would have flipped. There's away. no reason to watch it yeah. otherwise. Yeah. Otherwise. But well, hey, we we likely watched two quarterbacks play their final game as the starter for their respective teams in that stadium because Baker Mayfield is now out uh, for Week 18. He's not going to play against Cincinnati. He's going to have sh- shoulder surgery. They're eliminated from postseason, which is why they're electing to do it now, and he's electing to do it now. Um, but he's he's likely out after this year, uh, unless they extend him, and I don't think they'll do that. I don't think they'll tag him. Uh, I guess they could, but again, I don't know what, what else is left to evaluate. The problem that Cleveland has, though, 
is their struggle to find their quarterback. And they are right on the fringe with Mayfield. It's You see glimpses of why he's a top star coming out of college and one of the top picks. And then there's total frustration. I think there's a respect factor that goes into him playing through what he played through. And there's also the factor that due to the way he plays, he's going to get hurt. And so there's a there's a juggling act going on there. Stefanski and their front office, it's a big decision to make on how they go about doing this now. And maybe it is you franchise him for one year and then you figure out what you have and, and you, you either did that through the draft or free agency. But they're at a crossroads now. And same same goes for Pittsburgh because I don't think they're set up all that well as, they, as it sits right now for the future of the quarterback position. Although they could jump into the free agency pool. You know, what is the market for Baker Mayfield if Cleveland decides to go another route? Can you think of another quarterback as marketable on a national level that's in every commercial break, uh, That that's a national pitch man that is now in jeopardy of where he's going to go and be a quarterback? And, I'm, and ha- to actually ask the question of what's the market for him, the one that comes to mind is Cam Newton. The end of his time in in Carolina, he was on a lot of national commercials. Well, Johnny also, Manziel. Johnny Manziel's an, another good example. But that that flamed out relatively quickly. Baker Mayfield had some success as a quarterback, got those national commercials, and now we don't know where he's going to end up. A lot of questions around Cleveland, you know, throughout this season. But coming out of that game, Kevin Stefanski is going to get a pass on this season, but as we all know, there's no such thing as an eternal pass no. because if things aren't good next year, everyone's going to remember this year. There's no there's no true mulligan. It all adds up. It, it counts against you or counts for you. Um, a lot of off-season questions now for Cleveland. Well, I think at Cleveland, you're reluctant to give up on things that finally had success after so long a period of no success. Yeah. So I give that to Stefanski. I'm less likely to give it to Mayfield, but Chad, while you were out, we talked about this. I mean, it's hard to go away from a guy and put yourself in a quarterback needy situation when you think to the jersey with the 15 names of failed Cleveland quarterbacks, but the guy's just not not that good. And for the advertising thing, America has sped up on so much, right? Twitter and everything has sped up. Why can't we speed up advertising? Why can't we not sign lifetime contracts to be the progressive insurance spokesman? Why can't we say, hey, we want to pay you a lot of money to be our spokesman. But if it turns out you're a sucky quarterback, you're not going to be our spokesman anymore. We're not going to watch Baker Mayfield for life doing the Cleveland Browns stadium thing if it turns out that people are sick of it and you're not playing well. well I don't think people are sick of it. I, 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 I'm sick of it. Well, that's fine. But you also once said that you don't pay attention to advertising. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually like the commercials. Um, I the think commercials clever. are clever, but they play out after yeah, I a think certain they're point very, time. I think they're very good. And um, I'm ready to see Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert or whoever. I think Joe Burrow's an interesting one from an advertising yeah. standpoint of what he could do. Um, I don't know about – I mean, Herbert's a great quarterback. I don't know about him as a pitch man. Yeah, I don't know about him as a pitch I, man I, either. I, I, I'm, I'm just going saying, by why, personality. Are, why do these have to last forever? Well, my they don't question, have to. Well, it yeah. seems they like can it's back a three-year out anytime. Thing. Yeah, but I mean, he's been the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns while it's been going on. The question – now, Paul, if they come back next year and he's a backup for someone, then yeah, I would understand They'll what you're saying. Going, but. I don't think they're still going to be going next year uh, to this extent if he's not a starting quarterback somewhere in the league. Obviously, it's not going to go because his home is the Cleveland Browns' home in the commercials. So that's going to have to change. I liked Snoop Dogg's plan for his Pittsburgh Steelers. Did not know Snoop Dogg was a big Pittsburgh fan. Uh, But uh, he said, you know, Peyton Manning asked him, what would your plan be at quarterback? And he said, it's Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. 
should be the next quarterback of, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, Peyton had a you know, funny line about, I'm sure uh, you know Matt LaFleur is going to love that. I'll ask Aaron Rodgers about that in the fourth quarter. I'm right. sure LaFleur will Pittsburgh's love it. Pittsburgh's also not, uh, you know, it's a one-shot deal, but it's not a team that historically is going to go hand away three first-round picks. Um, you know, that's a draft-building franchise for eternity. So, um, Well, it's all about how, how do you value the rest of the roster right now. If you look at that roster, roster that and you say, good. we are a quarterback away, I'm going to quote Snoop Dogg again. He said, this is a team that's a quarterback away. So you go all in on getting that quarterback. If not, you're rebuilding. That's what we see. Now, Pittsburgh may be the exception. We thought they were maybe rebuilding a quarterback with Ben Roethlisberger when he was a starter. It worked out pretty well early on for them when he won a, a Super Bowl in what year two uh, as the quarterback. So they could go the draft route and bring someone in. Uh, Kenny Pickett. Yeah, there's no Ben Roethlisberger right there in, in that city. Is a problem. But I mean, if you if you truly believe everything's in place, good young running back Najee Harris, good receivers, defense is good. You've got a clear star in Watt rushing the passer. Then I think if you factor all that in and say this is a Super Bowl caliber team with a top level quarterback, then then I think you maybe change your mindset a bit and go after that. Here's my idea for them. Because I wouldn't be all in on the new guy because they're draft-centric and I, I wouldn't want to give away a ton of picks. I'd do something like Garoppolo, refresh the offensive line, and get into the draft next year um, when there'll be some better better options and just kind of concede, like, we're drafting the wrong year, so we'll do what we can to stretch it out a year. And we could win with Garoppolo if we could keep him upright. We need to work on our offensive line anyway, so that'll be our focus this year, and then next year we'll be ready for the draft. Could that team win with a healthier Baker Mayfield? Potentially. Probably. Uh, although they're built similarly. I watched that game last night thinking about that possibility. That's they're, an interesting idea. They're built similarly with uh, offensive line in Cleveland's better. Offensive uh, line in Cleveland, when healthy, is pretty damn good. Najee Harris had his best day as a rookie. Um and then broke Franco Harris's rookie rushing record last night. But at 188 yards last night rushing. Glad he did it. In that's 16. the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, Chad. That's a good question. I, th- I think he's got there. There are things on Cleveland's roster I like better. Um, but it's a very similar team, tight end centric for both. Um, See, what's Cleveland's alternative? Where do you envision them going if Mayfield's gone? To Keenum or to no I, draft I, or draft. Or in the lottery. They'd love to have Russell Wilson. I mean, that's known. Where did Russell Wilson go there? There there are a number of questions with quarterbacks for the offseason. See, the one thing I read about Russell Wilson from somebody with insight was, you know, he'll push it only to a degree. He's very concerned with his legacy ultimately and doesn't want to screw things up for himself where he looks like he pushed and I, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that would push the way Brady pushed or push the way Rodgers might push. And he's not as good as those guys. No, but he is very efficient. Um, this is the first losing season. We want to praise Roethlisberger for not having a losing season. It's a great fit for Russell Wilson in Pittsburgh because he's in a, been in a similar situation, and he would go to an organization that hasn't had a losing yeah. season uh, with Tomlin and Roethlisberger never had one with Bill Cowher. They are similar. Kind of, they have a similar um, feel to them. They've had stability. 
they they're both super stable. Or, I think a, that's a dream scenario for Pittsburgh would yeah. be Russell Wilson. But think so think about the movement. I'm going to get into this with I John. I don't think McClain Russell later. Wilson is three first round picks. You've got Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers at the top of the list. Um, and who knows if he's playing anywhere. You know, the talk last week was retire. Um, again, who knows? Uh Rodgers, Wilson, Roethlisberger's out, so they're they're in the mix for both guys. Um Baker Mayfield. Garoppolo. Garoppolo. Jameis Winston is going to be back healthy, and he's coming off a one-year deal that he signed in New Orleans. On top of that, uh, Jimmy, uh, you mentioned Garoppolo, and there's another, oh, Derek Carr. Derek Carr has one year left after this season on a huge contract with Vegas. New coach. New coach coming, coming in. in. Probably GM. Uh, and there were already questions about Carr and his future with Gruden after this year. So, I think he's attractive for, yeah. for a not super high-priced like, guy. There, there, I think there's going to be a lot of veteran movement with guys currently under contract that have a year left and teams trying to figure out where to move them to around draft day. I'd take Carr in Pittsburgh or Cleveland for not giving up the house. Yeah. On teams that are run-centric, defense-centric. It's you and a, I watched him spin it one time. Yeah, up I mean, here. And, and when he's on, he is yeah, a, a little, lot of fun to watch. Consistency's the problem. Well, I was really. going to throw Jared Goff into that mix of uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield quarterbacks, but he's got one year left and then an but they, out after they that. they probably are going to want to move on. He's, I mean, I, I, look, sucks. I would take, if, if all things are equal, whatever franchise you have and both are healthy, healthy, I'm taking Baker Mayfield over Jimmy Garoppolo. Me too. No doubt about it. Got Moxie. Yeah, I mean, I, that that would be my choice. But there's going to be that's going to be the debate mm-hmm. in Hutton through and Jameis Winston that these teams with this quarterback musical chairs and teams desperate to find someone that's going to be the debate amongst those teams. There's no obviously you would add Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers well, to your both. team Garoppolo, if you need a quarterback. There's no doubt about Garoppolo that. Garoppolo is more the doubt is with those other hurt. guys. Garoppolo's got a long injury history, right? This is Mayfield has had has been hurt this year. He's not a constantly injured quarterback, is he? No, he's banged up. Banged up, but gritty and able to play. This year has been a bad – this year's a wash, right? But Garoppolo's had a bunch of washes. He he doesn't – he's not – he can't finish seasons. Yeah, that's been a real problem uh, with Sam Fran. I like a healthy Garoppolo. I think a healthy Garoppolo is underrated. Yeah. But how often have we seen a healthy Garoppolo? Coming up, we will get into more of the NFL playoff scenarios. It's a bit later in the show. When we come back, speaking of health versus injured, Matt Corral. A lot of discussion about his injury in the Sugar Bowl for Ole Miss and their loss to Baylor and whether or not he should have played or opted out for the Sugar Bowl to prepare for the NFL draft. We'll dive into that and uh, hit some other headlines surrounding the opt-outs of college football and all the bowl games right now. First, though... Outkick 360, excited to partner with Aurora NutriScience, VitaLifeScience.com, V-I-D-A LifeScience.com. Aurora delivers supplements where you need them the most, your body. VitaLifeScience.com is where you can see more information. And our Outkick 360 season ticket holders, everyone listening and viewing, you receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills and capsules are not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts, and your digestive system breaks these pills down until there's really very little left for you to benefit from. But here's Aurora, unique cutting-edge nutritional and absorbable supplements 
encapsulated in liposomes, and that ensures greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I personally use the vitamin C, vitamin D3, glutathione, but there are many more to choose from and pinpoint exactly what you want. Visit vitalifescience.com for more info. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360. 15% off code OUTKICK360 at vitalifescience.com. Aurora Nutrisciences Mega Liposomal products offer greater bioavailability. Through our proprietary process, vitamin C or glutathione molecules are encapsulated in liposomes that ensure much greater absorption into your body's bloodstream through the GI tract. This allows for greater efficacy of these nutrients into your body's bloodstream. Use HVVCAST when you purchase at www.auroranutriscience.com for a 10% discount at checkout. Matt Corral decided he was going to play for Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl. Then he hurts his ankle. X-rays, by the way, negative, luckily. Uh, but didn't finish that game, left the game on crutches. Ole Miss loses, and it wasn't going well anyway. But Ole Miss loses against Baylor, and then the discussion points over the weekend and leading into this week have been whether or not he should have opted out in the first place and focused on the NFL draft. Ultimately, this is an injury that's not going to affect his draft day status. Will it affect some training, potentially? Sure. Um, but is it going to affect how teams grade him? That's highly, highly unlikely. But the conversation continues because we've seen across the country a number of players, doesn't necessarily have to be first-round picks, who have opted out of this bowl season. We saw it year, in years past, too, in order to focus on the monetary gain come combine time and, and the, the NFL draft and where they may end up not wanting to risk severe injury. But the quarterback played. And I think the discussion points have been heavy this week, Chad, because the quarterback played, and he's one of the more well-known quarterbacks in this year's draft. Well, look, tw Twitter is not real life, but Twitter is a world that we live in in sports media, and a lot of people out there listening watching right now that you live in also because of your favorite sports writers you follow, uh, anyone that you follow on Twitter, and the discussion that happens there. This was sort of the perfect storm of college game day Saturday morning. Kerr Curb Street said some things that got most of college football media uh, pissed off about players not necessarily loving football as much that opt out. And maybe it's just changed with kids now where football's not the same for them and, and they make this decision. And then that leads straight into Sugar Bowl that night. Matt Corral gets rolled up. It looks terrible. Yeah. Thank goodness it, it wasn't. It, it was an ankle sprain, but he's out. And then this sparked this huge debate over Matt Corral's injury. And, oh, this is why you opt out of, quote, unquote, meaningless bowl games is for this reason right here. And no one should ever have a problem with anyone who ever opts out of a game. And Kirk Herbstreet's an old man for having this opinion. It's ridiculous to question the love of the game from any kid who opts out or, or anything else with that with football. Here's where I stand on this. Um, and this has taken some evolution with me on this because when this started, I hated it. I hated it. I would downgrade someone who opted out of a bowl game uh, if I were an NFL GM. My opinion has evolved, and opinions are allowed to evolve as, as time goes on. 
I now feel like it, it's perfectly okay if a player decides to opt out of a non-playoff game because they want to go get ready for the draft and they don't want to risk injury. I also believe that, and I know, I'm going to love the players more who play in the bowl game. That's, that is my right to have as of someone who watches sports, who follows it, who covers it. I'm going to love Matt Corral now more because he stood up and made the decision that I'm going to play for my teammates, for my school. They helped me get here. I'm not going to abandon them in this Sugar Bowl, and I'm going to play. It's okay to applaud Matt Corral for that. We've gotten to this point, though, where now people are pissed off because ESPN makes a big deal about Matt Corral playing in the game and glorifies him for doing it. This is sports. It's a team sport. We glorify people for making sacrifices to play for the team. This may sound Pollyanna to some, and I get that everyone has their own risk aversion and what they're willing to do, and that's fine. In different positions, I think, could qualify your decision-making differently on this. But I'm not going to sit here and apologize for loving the players that could opt out that don't. I'm always going to love those players. I just hate the the ESPN thing where it's so obvious what's going on and they show no self-awareness or just gloss right over it. And Kirk Herbstreet's done this twice lately i'm not remembering specifically what the other one was but it was the same thing he's so supportive of his network and his network's goals his network which pays him a ton of money and i love kirk but espn is well served by people playing in these games because it owns these games and broadcasts these games all but one so yeah these kids playing in these games is good for his bosses and his network so whether it's about whether they love the game or not, when he's on there complaining that the kids aren't playing in the game, it's akin to him saying, this isn't good for me and my company. And that's clearly what he's saying to some degree, yet their entire broadcast just pretends like that's not a thing. Well, I, to, I'm... It depends on where these guys are going to be playing at the next level. Um, it is a little odd when we see... Or look, everybody's entitled to do whatever they want. First, let me get that out there. When I see a potential fourth-round player opting out of a bowl game, that's where I'm like, okay, okay, where is the commitment level to the, the university and, and your team? Um, because there is no certainty if you're a late day two, early day three player today that you're actually there come draft time in April. You can still help yourself. You can help yourself. And 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 honestly, like you can hurt yourself by opting out and then not testing well at the combine if you get the invite. And then, then you're screwed. Um, if you're a surefire first-round pick, the monetary gain of ensuring your health for your rookie season would be the utmost importance to me. Um, but that's that's with the certainty of knowing that you're going to be that guy. Matt Corral knows he's a first-round pick if he plays or if he doesn't play. And if he op- he's opting out of all the drills anyway at the Combine for the most part. Those guys do. Uh, maybe he's built different in that structure. But for all those clamoring that, oh, you know, why did he end up playing? Because he, he's hurting himself for the combine. If he can't do those drills, guys, we know the, 
He's not likely doing them anyway. Point being, I think it matters on where you're graded and the information you're getting because I do think the bowl games can help you extensively. Uh, And I also find it odd that for all the discussion about Matt Corral, no one's talking about Sam Howell, who did the exact same thing and started for North Carolina in the Duke's Mayo Bowl on a season where he's actually hurt himself because North Carolina did not live up to expectation. He passed for 3,000 yards. He has nothing more to prove. Um, he's As a junior, he's already the all-time leading passer in Carolina history, and he's opted out, and he's uh, for, the, for his senior year, he's opted out, and he's declared early for the NFL draft right after the bowl game. Everyone knew he was going well, to do I, it, but he still played, and I respect him more for it. Yes. But everyone's pointing to Matt Corral as the example. He's not the only example of this. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that... <laughs> The, the Mayo Bowl, whether Sam Howe played or not, didn't really make a difference on the value of that game or whether or not that game was watchable. Well, and because I respect or you respect the player more for playing in the game, for suiting up and going out there and competing with his teammates one more time, I think so many times this is twisted into by glorifying and honoring the player who plays then you're uh, throwing vitriol at those who opt out. And that's not the case with me. No. But I also, if I'm a sports fan and you're a fan of that team, of course you're going to like the players more who play in that game. I mean, those those players to me... That's just common sense. Wanting to see them is a tribute to them. That's how fans are going to react to it, and I'm okay with that. I don't think you should go on social media and trash the kid who decides, hey, I'm a first or second round pick. I'm not going to play in this in this non-playoff bowl game, but th- these things do have a trickle-down effect. And, and this is this is something I thought about with with Matt Corral in the Sugar Bowl because there's so much talk. They're not in the playoff. You know, Matt Corral owes Ole Miss nothing. He should have gotten ready for the draft. He shouldn't have played in that game. Okay, when they lost to Alabama and they're probably out of the playoff race, then does he does he opt out then? Hey guys, I've done everything I can. Thanks for the development. Thanks for the help. Thanks for the blocking offensive line. You guys got it from here. Peace out. I'm going to go get ready for the draft. When does this end? We saw it in a COVID year last year where a lot of guys made the business decision. I'm not going to play the season because I don't care enough with no fans Mm -hmm. and the schedule being weird and all that where I'm not going to play. This is going to happen more and more. And for those that cover the sport... I would think you would ultimately want what's best for the sport and their fans. And I don't think that the trickle-down effect that this could cause is what's best for the sport of the fans. What Matt Corral did, what Sam Howell did, those decisions are best for the sport. Something else I got into an argument with a, a media member over this. Well, why should we be mad about someone opting out of a meaningless bowl game when all we do is talk about the playoff? We're not talking about the Sugar Bowl. We're not talking about these games. And I'm thinking to myself, if you play high school sports or you play FCS level sports, we're not talking about Eastern Illinois games, but those guys somehow go on and put pads and it play means games. everything to you if you're playing. I just, so now we only, guys at that level should only suit up and play games that social media is talking a lot about, that sports talk shows are talking a lot about. And if you're not, then who cares? Don't play for it. We're setting a very weird example with this. And again, I think that there are plenty of examples of guys, maybe they battled an injury. Maybe they're at a position where it's easy to get rolled up on, an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman, where you're saying, hey, 
We had a disappointing season. I love my teammate. I love my school. I'm not going to play in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, to Hutton's point. I, I'm not going to crush a kid for making that business decision. I, everyone's got their different risk that they're willing to accept. But I'm also going to always praise those who make the decision to finish it out with their team, regardless of circumstances. I just think that if you always take the standpoint of, and we got into this with the Titans a few years ago, about uh, uh, the, the, uh, the receiver, Rashard Matthews. If you boys. always are going to, and I think this is where media is at fault in a big way, especially in college sports, they always take the side of the player. And they always blame the big bad coach or the big bad school or the big bad fans that are out there that hate that a kid wouldn't play every game for their alma mater. If you always take that side, first off, it's dumb and it's short-sighted because there are times where players are to blame for stuff just like everyone else is at fault at times. It's also not good for the sport because eventually, if you continue to give this platform to quit, guys are going to quit more and more. And one other thing, there are plenty of guys, what Kirk Herbstreit said, he should not have apologized for it. We've known examples of this. There are plenty of people who are uber talented in their profession, and they hate it. You guys have covered plenty of guys with the Titans. Very athletic, super blessed, didn't really love football, but they did it because they made money doing it. I don't think it's out of line for him to say maybe guys that play football this day and age with everything else going on, with a lot of other interests, love football as much as we did. Kirk Herbstreit played in some meaningless games. Desmond Howard played in some meaningless games. I think Kirk Herbstreit, while you're right, Paul, his opinion does sure, serve ESPN. I think if and someone said this in the YouTube chat, if he worked at Fox, he'd have the same opinion. I think knowing Kirk Herbstreit, those guys would absolutely have this opinion. If they were an accountant, they would have the same opinion. Well, the, the other thing, too, is I, I care less about bowl season than I did 10, 15 years ago because there's 50 bowls now. Like a five and seven to six and six team is who we're talking about right now and not the actual reward of making the postseason. And I'm, you know, I'm not following division two. We're not, you know, praising, but at least if you make the postseason to division two, you know you're in a playoff and you're actually playing for a championship. Screw the Bahamas Bowl. Like yeah. you're going to play in front of 14 people. Opt out if you have a chance at the league. There is no reason uh, to play on behalf of what is nothing but a money grab to get a ratings draw for ESPN. And I'm That's not, what it is. It's just big business. And if you just realize that the totality of bowl season is nothing but an ESPN programming opportunity, if you put that into a bubble and realize what players are risking versus what ESPN's gaining, I understand the business side of it's one football game versus what could be a great haul for me and if I test out well towards the combine and things like that. that again, it... It depends on what we're talking about here. No one's opting out of the playoff. And Paul, you know, Corral, who is, you know, he's endeared himself already to the Ole Miss Rebels fan base and to people that just love football. But making it to the Sugar Bowl is a lot different than playing in Charlotte at 11 a.m. on a random Wednesday or Thursday morning. Here's, a, uh, here's another business side of it. We talked about the potential for there to be an NIL tie-in for some of the bigger attractions um, yeah, you know, for Pickett and Walker, say at the Peach Bowl. But I was thinking about this last night. What if you roll that back? Maybe not for a first rounder. And look, you can't lock. I don't know to what degree you could lock a guy in, or you can't lock a guy in. 
But if you're creating a big-time NIL deal with somebody at the start, is there potential for you to say, hey, for your full season, I'm going to pay you this to play your full season. And so if you guys win seven games, sure. the requisite seven games, and you go to a bowl game, be it championship playoff game or be it the damn Mayo Bowl, I'm expecting you to play in every game you're healthy in in exchange for this NIL deal. This is now a business deal. This is a contract, just like you'll have in the NFL. And in exchange that's, for this contract, I expect you to play in all the games. That's unfortunately, Chad, what we're headed to because because we have and every era is different. The the guys playing now are are from an era where if they didn't win as a as a kid playing middle school or uh, travel league baseball. They quit and joined a team that was winning Better. more. Yeah. So it means nothing to not play in a game to go on to the next thing because you're jumping and, and it's hopscotch to find a place where you're actually going to succeed. All of these guys, for the most part, have had a ton of success because they keep moving around in any sport until they have success or their parents allow them to quit. So gaining a win and gaining a postseason berth isn't as meaningful to the random quarterback or the random wide receiver or defensive back that has a chance there's to play. Definitely definitely let's, degree let's, let's go to your prior point, Hutton, about you, you believe there's too many bowl games. I, I love football so much that if you put football on, I'm going to watch it. So I don't have a problem watching it. I don't think there are too many games. Ultimately, the market has to decide that there are too many games. And here's what I mean by that. Might be if you way. are invited, if you're MTSU and you're invited to the Bahamas Bowl for a second time in three years, the bowl season is predicated in the beginning on players liking playing football and wanting another game. The game is seen as a reward at the end of a season for a job well done, even if that job well done is 6-6, six and six, right? It's seen as a reward. If your team doesn't want to play, if Kirk Herbstreit is right and kids just don't love football as much, they don't care to play another game, in fact, most of them don't want to play another game, then have a team vote and have all these programs start to not players – but when programs start to opt out and they're going down the list, they're having to go to teams that are three and nine and everybody's saying no, th that's when you'll, you'll start know. whittling down the bowl games because ultimately players don't even want to play in them. Um, I, I think the assumption that all players want to play in bowl games because rah-rah and it's one more game, that's foolish. I also think the assumption that no kid wants to play in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl is also foolish. Yeah, no, I don't think it's, that's it's, true. It's a little bit of both, but I, well, I, I always thought that players play, and they're playing the sport because somewhere inside of them, they love playing that sport, and they'd get another game and a chance to do that. And I'll also argue this. You're right, Hutton, in saying that it is a television product. This is a holiday slate of games for a network and ESPN to cash checks from advertising. So is Tennessee and South Alabama in November. Yeah. That is a that is a, an inventory window on SEC Network. That's all it is. So if we're going to start opting out of that, it's not long until guys just say, I've got a shot to get drafted in the sixth or seventh round, and I really don't want to play this game in November when our season is not everything that I thought it was going to be coming into it. We haven't had as much success even if it's not a complete failure. Those that are complete failures, you're going to have more say, you know what, I'm out of this mid-October game. 
Because all it is is a TV window for someone. The one thing I thought about when I pictured a team. And I don't want to get to that point. One thing I thought about when I pictured a team deciding whether it really wants to go to that bowl game is kids saying, hey, coach, what's in the swag bag? Yeah, that well, that was in for a while. You yeah. know, the free stuff. If I get a PS Five, if I'm getting a PS Five, I want to practice for three weeks and go. If I'm if I'm only getting a you know a watch, maybe not. Coming up, we get into the NFL postseason. We'll talk playoffs and postseason awards uh, for. But in, the, in today's focus, will be on the the coaches. We'll look from uh, the Vegas perspective. There is a clear line. There's three coaches that are up for coach of the year, and then there's the rest of the NFL. That's next on Outkick 360. Is Jim Harbaugh about to jump back into the NFL? Welcome back to Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. John McClain's coming up in nine minutes. And at that time, we will talk NFL coach of the year and all of the NFL headlines and playoff scenarios. But guy, Jim Harbaugh, uh, here here he is um, off the college football playoff loss to Georgia. And Bruce Feldman of The Athletic has a column up, Chad, that you referenced during the break where um, the Raiders or Bears could be in contention to hire Michigan's head coach. I had this in an early – sorry, I had this in an early – ESPN was dropping names like as coaching candidates. This might have been five, six weeks ago. And they mentioned Harbaugh with the Raiders. Uh, Mark Davis not wanting to hire a guy that the NFL would be wild about necessarily because he's pissed off about the whole yep, Gruden right. thing and mentioned Harbaugh. I, I'm interested in this idea because Harbaugh probably just did as well as Michigan's going to do, right? Won the Big Ten, uh, went to the college football playoff, I mean, is unless, he going to catch Alabama and, and Georgia's of the world? Well, unless you think that he turned the tide completely Ohio against State. Ohio State and they're going to be better now because he did say after the game, this feels like a beginning and not the end of what we're trying to accomplish. Um, started with the Raiders in 2003 as a coach. He is good friends with Mark Davis. So that's where some of the speculation is coming from. And Bruce Feldman writes, a lot of people thought for a long time he was always eventually going to go back to the NFL. But no one believed it would have happened before he beat Ohio State. That he could not leave, just the way he's built, could not leave college in Michigan without beating Ohio State. So now that he's done that, they got to the playoff. Uh, It's not necessarily mission accomplished, but that he would prefer the NFL from a coaching standpoint and maybe doesn't love all of the recruiting, NIL things, opt-outs, everything else that are coming to college football and would want to get back to the NFL game, this would make sense. This would be the right time. It does make sense. This is also the perfect time for Jim Harbaugh to cash in. You have James Franklin making $10 million a year, and he's 11-11 and over the last two years. Harbaugh just beat Ohio State, just went to the college football playoff, and if you uh, Harbaugh currently is making, making less than Paul Crist and P.J. Fleck in his own conference. So if you start looking around and you think, okay, how do I get my payday? David Dunn is his agent. How do you create um, a atmosphere of panic on Michigan's part? Do you want to keep your college football playoff coach? Or do you want to be in a coaching search as every other team has found theirs? That, that's, that's a way to drive up the price and get a raise when otherwise you'd be talking about this a year from now. 
um, and you use the Raiders and the Bears to your advantage because those teams will actually be interested and the NFL media will report this and not the college football bloggers. Nothing against them because they're normally hitting on a lot of college football jobs right now. But that's how you drive up the price and you get ahead of the rest. I mean, Pat Fitzgerald is making 5.8 and Harbaugh is listed at 4.4 at Michigan. It's time to get a raise and now he can go with a skyrocket price because Ryan Day is also going to get a raise. And he just scored the goodwill, not the goodwill, but I mean, he took the pay cut. Right. Coming in bad. And then when he got some bonus money back, he gave it to coaches at Michigan who took a big COVID hit, the volleyball coach and the softball coach and all of those people, which was huge goodwill for him amongst his peers at Michigan and Ann Arbor. So if he got a big raise now after he finally beat Ohio State and won a Big Ten championship, there'd probably be a rallying cry for him amongst his peers, which doesn't hurt. Now, see, if this was James Franklin, I would think he's just trying to get a raise. But because James Franklin, I think, is a college coach. When I think of James Franklin, he's better sure. suited for yeah. the college game. Right. I don't feel that way with Jim Harbaugh. I don't look at him and see, oh, he's a college coach no, deep I down. Don't I think he's an NFL coach deep down. I think he might be headed back. I wouldn't want to deal with the college stuff either. I wouldn't either. But but you get paid a lot more. He had he went to Super he Bowl. He can at least. He can get paid the same amount in college now because he just went to the college football playoff and James Franklin's making making ten a year. But the Raiders are interested, which means he can also make 10 a year and get back to the NFL. We talk NFL headlines with John McClain next on OutKick 360.